Even your trials a blessing. <laughs> and uh, even if those trials send you to your knees, it's, it's not for naught. <laughs> it's not in vain. God actually is able to turn those things around. So thank you, Paula, for that reminder. Hey, today we're, we're going to just dive right into our study, Becoming a House of Prayer, Part 2. And so if you would, let's, let's just pray once again. Oh, Father in heaven, right now, we're longing to hear a word from you. The truth is that uh, our ears are very human. This mouth is very human. And yet your word, you're able to speak supernaturally to us through it. And so we're asking for a miracle that you would send your Holy Spirit, your spirit of truth, to guide us into truth, that your Holy Spirit would just plow the soil of our hearts to make it soft to receive your word. And Father, I know that, yeah, there are burdens that we bear today. And I just pray a special prayer for each one, that in the midst of what may be a very troublesome time, a very numbing time, uh, that you would be able to speak hope and peace and inspiration. Thank you, God, for, for this time that we have together. In Jesus' saving name, let the family say, amen, amen. Take your Bible, if you will, and go with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to Luke once again. Luke chapter 11 this time. Luke chapter 11, and this is part two of our series, Becoming a House of Prayer. And if you were here last Sabbath, you, you heard part one. If you weren't here, you'd have to talk to somebody who was here. Uh, due to technical difficulties, we weren't able to post that on the, on the website, so I can share with you my notes or whatever it might take, but here it is. God is on a journey, and he wants people to be prepared for the fulfillment of prophecy. We talked about this last week, that in the preparation of being, or in preparing for prophecy's fulfillment, God wants to restore a house of prayer. God wants to restore a house of prayer, meaning he wants us to be characterized by prayer. He wants our lives to be characterized by prayer. And when we lead lives of sincere prayer, not just lives with prayer. Do you, do you hear what I'm talking about? It, lives of prayer. When we live lives of prayer, we secure God's presence and we lead others to God's presence. This is just a short review of last Sabbath's message. The truth is that when we don't, when we don't or neglect to live lives of prayer, we are actually nothing more than a den of thieves. Do you remember? We looked at that passage, hey, hey, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it become a den of robbers, a den of thieves. What are we robbing? We're robbing God of his glory. And we're robbing, God of, or robbing other people of the opportunity to know God's glory. And so, Lord, help us, please, restore a house of prayer. The truth is, though, that uh, the house of prayer as a community has little meaning when we lack the heart of prayer individually. You know, we can talk about being a house of prayer. We can cultivate this. We can make programs around it. But if we, if we don't experience that individually, then the house of prayer is, is just talk. Praying individually, becoming a house of prayer as a community starts with cultivating the heart of prayer individually. And maybe there's a preliminary question before we get into our study of Luke chapter 11. The preliminary question that maybe is in the back of our minds, maybe we've asked it, or maybe we just think it's a, a silly question that we shouldn't say out loud. But is prayer, is individual prayer, is personal prayer, is private prayer really necessary? 
I don't know if you've actually asked that question in your mind. <laughs> is it? Is it really necessary? And I mean necessary. Not a luxury. Is it a necessity? Is private prayer a necessity? What would you say? Theoretically, I think we agree. Yes, of course. Practically, if we were to review the course of our lives, what do our lives reveal? What does my life reveal? Is prayer really something I need? Hey, I, I, I need food, and I'm, so I'm, I'm going to get it at least three times a day. I need that. I'll make time for it. I'll pour resources into that. Do you need prayer? Do you carve out time? Do you pour resources? Do you make the effort to pray? I need to brush my teeth. Hey, hey, I'm not the only one, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to make time. I'm going to make it a habit. Do I need prayer? Yes. We know it theoretically, practically. Do we reveal that? And so if, if we're thinking in terms of John 17, verse 3, where Jesus establishes what life eternal is all about, you know that verse, John 17, 3, this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Life eternal is defined by a personal relationship with Jesus. Is it possible to have a personal relationship with no communication? No. <laughs> and so do I need prayer? I need prayer as much as I need eternal life. If last Sabbath has anything to do with it, you know, lives of prayer secure God's presence. Do I need prayer? I need prayer because I need God's presence. If last Sabbath's message has anything to do with it, uh, a life of prayer actually leads others to God's presence. I need prayer because I was made to glorify God and lead others to Him. Do I need prayer? I need prayer. And so if this is true, then let's take a look at Luke chapter 11. Because it's not just true because I know my need. It's actually true because Jesus himself knew his need for prayer. Look at it. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Okay, I'm in the New King James Version. And it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place. Who is he in this verse? Jesus. Can you picture this? Jesus, the Son of God, praying. Jesus, in whom the fullness of God dwelt, praying. If Jesus needs to pray, who am I to say that I don't? Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Can you imagine what that would have been like to walk up to the Son of God in prayer. Can you imagine what you would have seen? I mean, what, what kind of posture did Jesus have in prayer? What, what did his voice sound like as he was praying? I don't know, maybe Jesus was praying out loud, maybe he wasn't, but whatever the disciples saw that day, they saw him and they said, teach us that. They were, what? Here's the thing. We all know we need prayer, but this doesn't come naturally. The very fact that the disciples say, teach us, they know. They don't know how to pray. And so, today, becoming a house of prayer, it's coming to the school of prayer, <laughs> with Christ in the school of prayer. And here, what we're about to discover 
is that God, in order to give us a life of prayer, he wants to teach us some essentials of prayer. And so today in our studies, we look at Luke 11 and some in Luke chapter 18, we're going to discover four essentials to be educated about when it comes to learning how to pray. Is this okay? Is this, we're going to try to get practical today, all right? So four essentials. If the disciples needed to be taught, I need to be taught. Lord, teach us to pray. And so what does he do? In verse 2, he launches into something very familiar, and this is actually the second time that Jesus is going to share this prayer with them, so he's not teaching them something brand spanking new. No, he's reviewing something that he's taught before. And so in verse 2, it says, So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pause right there. When we pray, what is Jesus' first essential in teaching us how to pray? First, he's teaching us assurance in prayer. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write it down. Essential number one, assurance in prayer. Not insurance, (laughs) assurance in prayer. Why do I say this? Because the very first phrase he instructs us to pray is what? Our Father. In other words, Before we present our petitions, we can experience assurance. Assurance of what? Assurance of a relationship with a God who says, I'm your papa, I'm your daddy, and you are my child. Assurance in prayer always precedes our petitions. To know that Jesus is our, that, that God is our father means that we do not have to pray in fear, we can pray in faith. Now, some of us, let's admit that some of us, for, from our frame of reference, from our past experience, this idea of father is not always a pretty one. This idea of father is not always uh, a gentle strength. This idea of father can even be tyrannical and, and fear-striking. But in the book of Psalms, Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, actually, let's, let's turn there very quickly. Hold, hold a bookmark here in Luke chapter 11, and I just want you to see what kind of father God is. Psalm 103, middle of the Bible, Psalm 103, verse, I think it's verse 13 and 14. Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. If you found it, say, I've found it. Okay, Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14. The psalmist is comparing God to a father. What kind of father? Let's take a look. Verse 13 says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are what? That we are dust. In other words, when we say our father, we are to know that God is tenderly looking over us. In other words, he's tenderly sensitive to your need and my need. Even before we've articulated our need, he knows it. He knows it. And he wants to meet it. Did you hear it? He actually wants to supply your need and mine. And when we pray, we don't have to pray in fear, God, uh, uh, would you please? No! We can pray to the Father who knows all of our needs even before we ask them. 
In Isaiah 65, verse 24, you can write this one down. Isaiah 65, verse 24, he actually hears before we call. He answers before we say it. This is the God who jumps at the opportunity to supply your need and mine. And that's why Philippians 4, 6 says that we can be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, we can make our requests known to God with thanksgiving. Why? Because we can thank him for answering before we've seen answers. That's the kind of father we pray to. Our father who art in heaven. So essential number one, assurance in prayer. Did you catch it? Assurance in prayer, it precedes all petition. Assurance in prayer. The second essential, the second essential, if you just keep your pen moving, surrender in prayer. Surrender in prayer. This too precedes all petition. Go back to Luke chapter 11. Go back to Luke chapter 11 and find that Lord's prayer as he's starting it out. Luke chapter 11, verse 2. When you're there, say amen. All right, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So there's assurance. You might even insert reverence there. Hallowed be your name. Now here's where the surrender comes. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before we've gotten to this idea of praying for our daily bread or praying for deliverance or praying for forgiveness, we have surrendered. We come to God in assurance. We come to God with an attitude of surrender. This is essential number two, that sometimes we need to instruct ourselves and educate ourselves that prayer is not about me pushing my will upon God. It's about me surrendering to his will in my life. So if we pick this up, we, we pick up the Lord's prayer and we realize that our prayers change when we come to God, not to give him our agenda, but to receive his agenda. You'll notice that your prayers change when you first prioritize his kingdom and his will. His kingdom and his will. So, wow, with these two essentials, assurance in prayer, surrender in prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray with assurance. Teach us to pray with surrender. These are the first two. The second two are a little bit more meaty. We're going to require a little bit more time as we get into this. And so essential number three, are you ready? Essential number three is this, persistence. Persistence in prayer. Let's go back to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, he's given us this, uh, this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We, we see it all the way through verse four. Give us this day our daily bread in verse three. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And granted, we may be able to, to even uh, use a, a whole study time just on the Lord's Prayer itself, but I want to cover some broad strokes here of the essentials. In verse five, this continuation of Jesus' answer. Remember what the disciples asked. Lord, teach us to what? Teach us to pray. So, so this is a continuation of his answer. In verse 5, he says, He said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight? Do you have friends like that that you can go to at midnight? <laughs> Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. He's looking for some bread. He begins to explain his case. Verse 6, For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. In that culture, this was a, a cultural faux pas. This was, ah, oh, no, 
For Filipinos, no rice in the house. You know, this is, this is the kind of thing. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within and say, don't trouble me. The door is now shut. The baby is sleeping finally. You know, whatever. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his, what is the next word in your Bible? Persistence. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. One note, this is, this is now not just addressing a father, now this is addressing a friend. Okay, there, this is really very interesting. So there's this trusting relationship here. But the emphasis that Jesus is getting at is, hey, when you pray, pray with persistence. Okay, so you have assurance in prayer before your petitions. Surrender in prayer before your petitions. Now, when you get to your petitions, pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. What does persistence even mean? Now, here it seems like just annoyance, <laughs> right? Pray with annoyance. And really, that's, that's what the literal term means. It means without shame. Shameless audacity. You have it, yeah, some versions say shameless audacity. So it's not just talking about pray frequently, pray unabashedly, pray without reserve, no matter who is watching, pray shamelessly until you know your need is met. You see, sometimes I, I wonder where, where this kind of shamelessness comes from. Well, what, what we should note first is that shamelessness, this kind of uh, audacity, it actually leads to to, to persistence. It, it leads to, to continuing to ask, seek, and knock, which is why in verse 9, the very next phrase of Jesus' teaching is, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Those three verbs, ask, seek, knock, if you're ever trying to remember that, it spells the word ask. Ask, seek, knock. Yeah, okay, you got the acronym, right? Okay, so the verbs themselves in the Greek, they're actually in the continuous they're in the progressive. So it literally could be translated, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. This is the invitation that Jesus is opening up to us. You can persist in asking. Sometimes we wonder, where does that kind of persistence come from? Where does that kind of audacity come from? And in this parable, I think it only comes from verse 6, where he says, a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing. When we come to the point where we realize that my pockets are empty to meet this person's need or to satisfy this responsibility or that, then we pray with audacity. We all know what it's like to be in a great need and how easy it is in those moments to turn to God in prayer. Have you ever noticed that when you don't feel a need, those are the easiest times to neglect prayer? Shameless audacity, this persistence, it only comes as we sense our need. And if we don't feel very persistent in prayer, maybe we need to pray for more awareness of how much we need God. <laughs> of how little we actually have. The heart is deceitful and, and desperately wicked. It, who can know it? Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says. And, and so sometimes, really, it's, it, it's the, as, as someone has once said, it's the full cup that we need to be careful about carrying. Why? Because it, when our lives are full of good things, when our lives have no need, that's when we really need to pay attention to how much we seek God. Because when it's empty, oh yeah, oh, God, 
You know, that, that's our first reaction. So here's the thing. When, we're co- when we come to God with persistence, it'll only happen as we sense our need. So maybe we first need to be praying for more awareness of our need. I wonder sometimes if it's pride that gets in the way of that. Maybe the guys can resonate with me. Gentlemen, it's hard to ask for directions. True? Not true. Not because you have such great confidence in your internal GPS. <laughs> but because you don't want to look like a fool in front of your family or whoever it is, right? <laughs> you should know this. But Here's the thing. When we let pride loose, <laughs> when we get over ourselves, then we're able to ask. If you're not persistent, maybe it's pride. Allow God to bring you to your knees. (laughs) We will persistently pray when we get over ourselves and come to God as we are. Needy, lacking. How does the Revelation 3 say it? Poor, blind, and naked. When we actually recognize our need, then we'll pray. So pray that God would help us get there. So that's essential number three, persistence in prayer. So we've talked about it. Assurance in prayer before our petitions. Surrender in prayer before our petitions. Now, when it comes to those petitions, persistence in prayer. And we're talking about that shameless audacity in prayer. Now remember something um, before we move on to the fourth essential. That Jesus, he kind of qualifies this audacity, this persistence. Uh, We read it in verse 9. So I ask, so, so I say to you, sorry, This is Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? I mean, that's that's just, that's wrong, right? (laughs) Hey, give me some bread. Here you go, bud. (laughs) That's horrible. That's a bad joke. Guys, don't do it. He continues, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Even worse. Verse 12, or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Of course not. Verse 13, if you then, being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? Say it again. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you. Now, when you read this in Matthew, it actually says, how much more will the Father in heaven give you good gifts? Here in Luke, it actually qualifies. What's the best gift? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Here's here's the thing. When it comes to persistence, persistence in prayer is most appropriate when we're praying for A, feeding others. Right? The, the parable. Hey, I, I have a friend. I have nothing to give him. Lord, give me something to give him. We will never feel shame in asking God to equip us to bless somebody else. It is always God's will to give you so you can give to others. All right? So that's one. If you want to be persistent and shamelessly audacious in your prayer, pray that you would have something to bless someone else with. And I'm not just talking about temporal blessing. Yeah, pray for that too. But I'm talking about spiritual. How can I save this soul? God, I have nothing. I have no living water. Please give me the living water so I can share it with him or her. That's always God's will to answer a yes. Always. The second thing that we know is always God's will, praying for the Holy Spirit. You never have to feel shame about that. 
You never have to wonder if God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? You never have to wonder about that. So why don't we ask him? Because he wonders if we want that. Lord, help us. Teach us to pray with shameless persistence. Wow, and I'm preaching to myself today. Three essentials, assurance in prayer, surrender in prayer, persistence in our petitions. The fourth one is this, perseverance in prayer. Perseverance in prayer. And someone's wondering, didn't we just talk about that? This is actually a little bit different, a little bit different. I want you to turn, turn to Luke chapter 18. So take your Bible, turn a few pages to the right, go to Luke chapter 18. I think of all the Gospels, Luke probably has the most instruction on prayer, both in highlighting when Jesus goes out to pray, so instructing us in the model of Jesus, the example of Jesus, but also in the teaching of Jesus. Luke chapter 18, when you're there, say amen. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he's going to give them a parable, and Luke is telling us why. Why does Jesus give us this parable? Luke chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men, what? Always ought to pray and not lose heart. Maybe your version says, and not faint, or not give up. Here's the key thing. Jesus wants us to always pray. This is what separates perseverance from persistence. Persistence is more of the attitude of shameless audacity. Perseverance is the actual frequency of taking that shamelessness and just going for it all the time, okay? So always praying. Now, the opposite of always praying, according to this phrase, that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Apparently, the opposite of always praying is losing heart. Being dispirited. Utterly exhausted, wearied out when all hope is depleted. Sometimes we just cease to pray because we've lost hope. And Jesus tells this parable so that that would be reversed. And what's the parable? In in verse 2 it says, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city. She came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, did you notice that? Continual coming, she weary me. Now God is going, or Jesus is going to kind of switch this parable because obviously God is compassionate toward us. God is sensitive to our need. And so if there's a wicked judge who feels this way, what about the heavenly Father who actually is our friend? Notice verse 6, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out how often? Once every week, Sabbath morning during the pastoral prayer. Come on. That's not perseverance. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? 
I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. God is eager to jump. He wants to go. He wants to send angels this way and that. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find, what's the next word? Faith. Will he really find faith on earth? Wow. The plot of this parable shows that perseverance in prayer is always hardest. It's always hardest when we don't feel like that prayer is heard. Have you ever run into that? It's hard to keep hope and when you're praying and you feel like prayer up, ceiling down, <laughs> right? This woman was tempted, or at least could have been tempted, to stop coming day and night. In the same way that we are challenged with our perseverance in prayer. We are challenged with our perseverance in prayer when we feel as though our prayers are unheard or unanswered. You know, maybe this subject of unanswered prayer deserves its own series in itself. But I'm going to try. <laughs> and I don't claim to have all the answers for this, but let me just simply ask a question. Is there such a thing as, quote-unquote, unanswered prayer? Is there really such a thing as unanswered prayer? Because like we quoted, uh, or I referenced Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, before we call, he hears. Before we speak, he answers. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So is there really such a thing as unanswered prayer? I would submit to you that unanswered prayer is really prayer that we don't see the answers to. Unanswered prayer are really the prayers that we don't see the answers to or don't want the answers to. <sighs> Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs> so here's the point. Persevering prayer, it stems from a persevering confidence that God actually does hear, that God actually does want to answer. When we have a, an enduring conviction, whether or not we see answers or perceive answers, if we have the enduring conviction that God actually wants to answer and is going to answer or is already doing it, that is what leads to persistent prayer. I'm sorry, persevering prayer. <laughs> enduring prayer. In other words, uh, persevering prayer stems from the persevering conviction that God will actually do what's best for us. And I think this is actually what separates persevering prayer, crying out day and night, from what Matthew 6 calls uh, vain repetitions. Do you remember that? Jesus said, hey, hey don't, don't pray with vain repetitions as the heathen do, because they think that for their frequency or for their repetitiveness, they will be heard. No, it's not the repetitiveness, it's not the frequency that God responds to, it's our faith that God responds to. This is what undergirds persevering prayer. And as they, just take a look at this parable again and, and how Jesus kind of summarizes the meaning of it. In verse 7, oh, I want you to catch a detail. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? There's that word, bears long. That's actually where perseverance, it's sometimes translated as perseverance. That's the perseverance key. But question, who bears long with who? Look at it, look at it. Who bears long with who? It's God bearing long with us. Hold the phone. <laughs>
our journey, our road to this enduring faith actually sometimes requires unanswered prayer. Because God is waiting for us to have that kind of faith. Could it be that unanswered prayer is not a call to, oh man, I've got to endure this. No, 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 no. no. God is actually using that apparently unanswered situation to grow in us an enduring faith. Follow your son. He'll turn those trials into blessing. He'll turn those trials into blessing. And sometimes this, 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 this concept is, is so often repeated in the Psalms that we wait upon God. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, right? But maybe it's not us waiting on God. What if it's God waiting on us? What if it's God waiting on us to actually believe that he can do it even if we don't see it? To walk by faith and not by sight. In Isaiah, verse 30, verse, uh, sorry, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, it's this picture of God is waiting to show grace to us. <laughs> what if God is waiting on us? Who is bearing along with who? Apparently, God is bearing along with us. What does he bear along with us about? What does he bear along with us about? What are the things that cause us to have, to experience unanswered prayer? If we had, man, a whole series to go through this, I mean, in Psalm 66, verse 18, go ahead, if you're taking notes, go ahead and start writing furiously, please, okay? Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear. Did you catch that? There's actually a biblical explanation for sometimes why things aren't, quote-unquote, heard. If I'm regarding iniquity in my heart, guess what? My prayer is amiss. My prayer is skewed. It's not for God's will and God's kingdom. I need to go back to assurance and surrender. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the solution then is to come to Jesus for salvation and surrender. To unlock heaven's storehouse, so to speak. In Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the, the arm of the Lord is not short that it cannot save, nor is his ear dull that it cannot hear. It's your iniquities that have separated your God from you. And so, you know, what is, what is God enduring or waiting for us about? Maybe he's waiting for us to let go of cherished sin. If you're experiencing unanswered prayer in your life, maybe it's an issue of surrender. And God is bearing long with you about it. Another thing that God may be bearing long for, and this is really related, it comes down to, uh, to misguided motivation. Uh, go with me to James. James chapter 4, verse 3. James chapter 4, verse 3. James 4, New Testament. If you get to Hebrews, James is right after Hebrews. If you've gone to Peter, you're a little too far. James chapter 4 and verse 3. James chapter 4 and verse 3. What is God bearing long for? When you're there, say amen. Okay. James chapter 4, verse 3. I'll wait till I hear pages stop. Okay. James 4, verse 3. He's saying, hey, guys, you ask and you do not receive. Oh, man, we can resonate with this. Okay. You ask and do not receive because what? Because you ask amiss. 
What do you mean amiss? It's, it's off target, or it's off kilter. It needs to be recalibrated. In what sense, the, the rest of the verse says, that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, there are times where we petition God, not for his will, but for mine. There are times when we petition God, not for his kingdom, but to build up our own. And so if you feel like that prayer is unanswered or it's unheard, it's because we're asking amiss. And so go back to assurance. Go back to surrender. And ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray. Actually, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, you can write this one down. The Holy Spirit actually intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, that we might actually pray according to his will. Now, I'm not directly quoting that, but here's the point. The Holy Spirit actually intercedes for us, and I always thought it was because that there are sometimes there are prayers that I just don't have words for, and I think that's true. But the rest of the verse, in verse 27, it says, so that we can pray according to his will. If you don't know how to ask not amiss, then pray for the Holy Spirit to actually transform your motives, to give you an understanding heart and mind. Do you follow that today, yes or no? Yeah? Okay. Again, maybe we'll revisit this in a full-on series. Like, wow. Because, yeah, something that I've longed to do for a long time is the art of suffering. <laughs> how, how do you navigate that? <laughs> right? And a lot of that deals, it, it just comes down to, whoa, God, are you listening to me? And so, God is bearing long. It's not that we bear long with him. He bears long with us. He bears long with us to release cherished sin. He bears long with us to transform our hearts so that we can not just ask amiss, but that, not that just that we're shooting from the hip or, or, you know, like, hey, this is what I think should be done. No, we're asking according to God's will. All right, so that's where God bears long with us. So if you're tempted, if you're tempted to lose heart in prayer, pray for a new heart. Did you catch it? If you're feeling like you're lagging in perseverance, that you're not always praying, if you're tempted to lose heart in prayer, pray for a new heart. That unanswered prayer is actually God's journey for you, God's route to lead you to a new heart. Assurance in prayer, surrender in prayer, persistence in our petition, perseverance in our petition. These are the things that God wants to teach us in prayer. You feel like you have a lot to learn? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And today, you know, before we wrap it up, I want to give us an opportunity to pray. Um, you know, last week we, we partnered up, we, we had some silent prayer. What I want to encourage you to do is actually just write a letter to God today. Maybe you picked up a bulletin and there's a, there's a flyer in there for a 5K. On the other side, it's blank. Maybe you've been taking notes already on it. <laughs> But I want to give you just three minutes just to write a letter to God. And I want to encourage you, start with assurance. Start by writing that letter, not out of your desperation, but out of your confidence. God, you're my father. You know, if you're, if you're not necessarily keen on writing, go ahead and just bow your head silently. So, so start with assurance. Start with surrender. And then, then seek God for persistence and perseverance. And, and if you don't mind, I'm going to pick up my guitar and play along so, so you can be a little bit Jose Rojas-esque here. <laughs> but yeah, let, let's just spend some time in prayer. Go ahead and write your letter to God.
know this song, you can sing it along with me. If you don't, it's uh, hymn number 569. Or if you just want to keep writing and praying, go for it. Pass me not, a gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. haven't wrapped up your letter, go ahead and wrap it up. Simple question as we close. What are you going to let God teach you? What are you going to let God this week teach you? How is your prayer life going to change? Do you want to pray with more assurance? Fill your mind with promises. You want to pray with more surrender? Ask that God would give you the gift of surrender. Philippians 2.13, that God would work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you want to pray with more persistence, give him the green light to remind you how much you need him. <laughs> That's kind of a scary one to pray. But I encourage you to do it. <laughs> if you want to pray with more perseverance, let God give you your faith. You know, the disciples, they came to a point they were saying, God, increase our faith. And maybe that's what we need. If you're tempted to lose heart, ask for a new heart. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, tonight, uh, this, this morning, we are just uh, realizing again how little we know how to walk with you. And so, Father, today our simple plea is that you would teach us how to pray. Father, I pray this individually. I also pray this as, as a church. God, I also pray this as homes. Teach us how to pray. Give us more that we can be assured of. Give us the, the or cultivate our, a habit of, of filling our minds with confidence in you. Lord, I also pray for the gift of surrender. Lord, we, we don't know how to do it. And Paul says that we're crucified with Christ. Lord, crucifixion is not something that's self-inflicted. So please teach us to surrender. When it comes to shameless persistence, Lord, yeah, 
cause pride to leave the door. And when it comes to perseverance, Father, you know that there are some of us here who are losing heart right now. So God, we pray for a new heart. Thank you that you're willing to teach us. Thank you that you're the best teacher. (laughs) We just want to enter into this school of prayer with you this week. So change our prayer lives this week. Change our prayer lives tonight. Change our prayer lives right now. We pray this in Jesus' saving name. Let the family say, amen. Amen. God bless you, team. If you're looking for an opportunity to pray with others, there's a group that meets here uh, just after the service. God bless you, friends.